This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Browns fans, now Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover 2. This is Dan Cater, of course, joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how are you? Good, Dan. How's it going? Very good. Uh, full disclosure, as, as usual, we're recording this episode on Tuesday night. We're going late night recording this week again uh, because, quite frankly, there, there's so much going on in Brown's land. And Nate is working on a, a really cool story on George, on Joe Thomas, not George Thomas. That would be quite something if he was writing about our, our co-worker, George Thomas, who I'm doing an intro impersonation of right now. But um, Nate's going to have a really good story on Joe Thomas. And if you're listening to this on Wednesday morning or later, which you probably are, make sure you go check that story out over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. It's going to be good. Um, but anyway, Nate, we are still talking about the Browns playing games, which is quite frankly improbable. Uh, the Browns will play the Kansas City Chiefs at 3.05 on Sunday on CBS. There, there's a lot to cover in this game, Nate. But the, the first question I'm going to have for you about it is, do you feel more confident about the Browns going into this game than you felt about them going into the Steelers game? Yes, I do, because today is Tuesday. In fact, Tuesday night, as you mentioned, and we didn't find out that they were going to be without their head coach and their best offensive lineman and a key receiver and a couple other assistants. COVID-19 is not going away this NFL playoffs. There could be horrible news around the corner. By Wednesday morning, we could have bad news coming out of Berea, but Monday, the latest round of testing came back uh, with no new positive cases for the Browns, which is tremendous news for them. And Tuesday was quiet on the COVID-19 front for them. So that makes a huge difference because my skepticism about the Browns' abilities to win in Pittsburgh, as we discussed on the previous podcast, was rooted in the challenges that they faced. I just did not think that without their head coach, slash play caller, the guy who they've been seeking for decades in that position, that they were going to be able to pull it off. I did not think they were going to be able to pull it off without their best offensive lineman on a really good offensive line, but their best offensive lineman, three-time Pro Bowler Joel Batonio. I thought that would be a major problem going against the likes of Cam Hayward. Uh, I thought missing Denzel Ward, Still on the COVID-19 list, their best corner, their second best defender, the best secondary player is going to be a big deal going against Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool and 
seeing those deep shots that were completed completed from Mason Rudolph in the regular season finale to some of those receivers against the likes of, you know, Robert Jackson, Terrence Mitchell, I thought that that was going to be too much for the Browns to overcome. Wow. What a remarkable story. I was dead wrong. And the Browns proved so many people wrong by defying all those odds. Really was remarkable. And when you see him do something like that, I think you have to have confidence. Now, the Chiefs are a different animal. We know they're the number one seed. They had the bye in the first round. They're 14 and two. The starters have been resting for three weeks or they will have been resting for three weeks by the time kickoff arrives, and they're the defending Super Bowl champs above all. So, you know, Patrick Mahomes, there's no bigger star in the NFL, and it's going to be an even bigger, more shocking upset that, that the Browns will need. But I wouldn't count them out. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I see a way for it to happen. And that's kind of where my confidence level is. Yeah, it's kind of like that that Avengers thing, you know, where Doctor Strange says, you know, I, I've I've looked through a bazillion different outcomes and there's only one that works. And I know it's fiction and silly, but they they found the one that works. Um, so yes, in this in this case, Andy Reid, Chiefs head coach is Thanos, I guess. But by the way, Patrick Mahomes, unquestionably the best superstar player in the NFL. Andy Reid's probably the best coach too. I, I know he's not going to win Coach of the Year probably ever because it's a not that kind of award, but. To me, there there may be no better coach in the NFL right now than Andy Reid. So it's it's an uphill battle for the Browns. And going back to Cleveland, how much of a tip of the cap do you have to give to Alex Van Pelt and um, Joe Woods? I, I mean, I know I know that Kevin Stefanski probably scripted the start of the game on the offense. And I know the Steelers scored a bunch of points and the Browns were playing what a lot of people call prevent defense, but you really do have to tip your cap to those top coordinators, don't you? You really do. And you and and Alex Van Pelt stood out on second and nine at the forty early in the fourth quarter. Uh the Steelers had cut the uh Browns lead to twelve points and I just thought he had perfect timing on that screen to to Nick Chubb and Nick Chubb turned it into a 40 yard touchdown. And that's when the Browns really showed that they weren't going to crap the bed and lose that lead. Like, yeah, it still went back and forth after that, but that was the, that was the touchdown that they needed at that time to calm the waters and gain the requisite breathing room. And, I, you know, when that happened, I thought they are going to win this game. And, of course, you know, like I said, there's still some more back and forth toward the end, but it was just kind of desperation catch up. And obviously, Sione Takitaki's interception was really the the final kind of nail in the coffin sure. for Pittsburgh. But, yeah, Alex Van Pelt, 
I thought he I thought he did really well. And Joe Woods, I mean, his guys came to play in the five takeaways. When you're talking about the Avengers analogy and there's a scenario to overcome all this COVID stuff, I mean, the great equalizer is the turnover battle, and the Browns won it five to nothing. They had three takeaways in the first quarter, and of course, that enabled them, obviously also scoring off those takeaways, enabled them to set that NFL playoff record with 28 points in the opening quarter. I mean, it was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> can they go to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs? Well, can they get five takeaways again? They did it against Washington. They did it against Pittsburgh in the in the wild card game. So this has been um, one of those opportunistic defenses. We know for a while they led the league in takeaways, and, and, and they do come in bunches at times for these guys. Um, for whatever reason, it just seems something that they, they are able to have snowball, and it's certainly – was an avalanche on uh, Ben Roethlisberger with the four picks and, and obviously the, the shotgun snap that went over his head to begin the game. Carl Joseph recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. So, yeah, um, these guys came ready to play, which is saying a lot. It says a lot about the coaching staff, a lot about the players, because they only practiced on Friday. Like, growing up, you know, playing sports, you know, and then covering sports and you know, talking sports and Dan, as much as you know about football and as much as football as you've uh, taken in over the years, like what are we always taught? Like practice matters, like preparation matters, like other than right. Allen Iverson, practice is really supposed to matter, <laughs> right? It's supposed to yep. mean something, right? And I thought that was a huge obstacle. Like I mentioned this to Fansky Factor, Betonio, Denzel Ward, all that stuff earlier, Kevin Johnson, the nickel corner out. But the practice is getting canceled on Wednesday and Thursday and then having kind of a week practice on Friday in the field house, you know, kind of smashing it all in there on the last day. Uh, that was a thing that was really concerning me and giving me a lot of doubt about the Browns' abilities to win in Pittsburgh, too, for the first time since 2003. So, you know, <laughs> all those demons and ghosts were exercised. Um despite all of it. And yeah, the, a great equalizer was those takeaways. Yeah. And, and those takeaways, the turnover game, look, every, every NFL team will tell you, yes, we want to create turnovers and we want to win the turnover margin. And it, it, that's pretty obvious for any NFL team, but it really seems to be a big part of the culture for the Browns and, and what they want to do. Not, and, and what they need to do to be successful as a as a team. And maybe that's because they know their defense, their talent is a little less, so they have to try and create turnovers. But almost every week during the regular season, during whether it was his, his Monday press conference, one later in the week, or Baker Mayfield talking about it, particularly later in the season, it was some mention of the turnover game. So it's, it's very much a part of the culture of this team. You can talk about the, the wide zone running scheme on offense on defense. It, it really seems to be, or as a team, really it's winning the turnover margin. And, you know, maybe, maybe there's some numbers that, that backed it up that they, they pushed on the coaching staff and, and sold it to them from the front office saying, if you if you're plus two in a game in turnovers, you're gonna win ninety percent of your games or whatever. I don't know, but it 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 really seems to be part of the culture, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it does. And Miles Garrett was like the flag bearer for so long, right? Like the beginning of the season, he was like forcing fumbles with strip sacks. And, you know, he hasn't really been that lately, you know, since he had that COVID bout, missed two games in November. Uh, he's still working himself what, back. And he hasn't been that takeaway machine. But you have seen other guys kind of pick up the slack, uh, certainly in Pittsburgh. And yeah, the first one was gift wrapped to him, right? Um, but you got to give him a lot of credit. I mean, you guys have got like MJ Stewart picking off the Steelers two weeks in a row. Granted, it wasn't Roethlisberger in both games, but, you know, MJ Stewart's, you know, your backup nickel. You know, he's down the depth chart and he's really kind of risen to the occasion and and, and really kind of, you know, taken that, that focus on takeaways and epitomized it. So, yeah, I mean, there's, a, I mean, you saw your guy Porter Gustin with the diving interception of a Vince Taylor, uh, that's right. Uh, pass at the line of scrimmage. That's your backup defensive line creating that. You know, that's really, really kind of a, <laughs> a feather in the cap of, of, of Joe Woods and the emphasis that they put on it. And I do think you made a good point, Dan. I most certainly think that defensively they have lived in, lived and died by the turnover this year because they do have those holes and, and the, the roster does need upgraded in the secondary and linebacking core. So that makes it even more important because you're just not going to play a game and hold, you know, most of these high powered offenses, um, you know, to a respectable score without those sudden changes in possession, without getting those takeaways, you know, even obviously scoring defensively, which they, you know, they did in the wild card game to right to, to start it um, is, is just huge you can't even it's like one of those mastercard commercials it's priceless you can't even i mean the statistics and data are there but it's just i think the juice and energy momentum i think there's some some intangible things that that it provides a team i mean when that happened i i wanted my pick back right away because i (laughs) i i had that skepticism because of the COVID issues i had i I have a lot of respect for what the browns have done but like i said with stefanski out and Tony, it was just hard for me to envision going to a place where they never win and and doing that um you know man they did it and when that first play happened that was literally a game changer. I'm like, oh, this could be totally different than what I thought it would be. Because look what just happened. That just does not usually happen. So that's why you play the games. You can talk about what it's going to look like on paper. You can look at all the numbers. You can look at the injuries, who's in, who's out. COVID-19 complicates it all. Wow, Browns really are behind the eight ball. All that's true heading in. You got to play the game. Yep. Yeah. And I, I had the same reaction as you did on on that fumble to start the game and last thing on on this kind of line of thinking before we really talk about the the game ahead a little more at this time next year if the browns are coming off a season similar to this one i gotta tell you nate i i would not be shocked if if we start hearing alex van pelt and joe woods in this uh assistant coordinator coach, whatever you want to call them, coordinators in the, the NFL head coaching carousel. You know, there's there's always like eight to ten job openings every year. And it, I, I really think if, if the Browns have a season like they're coming off again, I think those two guys might be getting talked about as a head coach in the NFL. What do you think? 
there's no doubt. There's no doubt. That's that's part of being a successful team, right? You know, um, if you have a good coaching staff and you're winning games, other people are going to try to to pluck coaches off it and uh, give them more prominent positions. And those guys being coordinators, yeah, I mean they they could get some uh, head coaching looks. I was I can't remember, but I read Joe Woods. Somebody had speculated him to uh, to one of the openings already, and um, that was even before the playoff game. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, right. it, it kind of caught my eye because, you know, I, I here's my my thing on Joe Woods is it's just really kind of hard to judge this year because they're he's I mean, like the entire team. But I think, you know, the defense really has dealt with a lot of, um, you know, hard circumstances. I just I don't think he's playing with the personnel to really fairly judge him this year. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, if you look at the investments, like the offense already had a lot going for it before this regime of Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry took over in January 2020. And then the big investments were made on the offensive side of the ball to supplement that. Obviously, the new offensive tackles and, you know, tight end Austin Hooper are, are kind of the highlights there. Um, and defensively, it was just kind of like a bunch of guys on these one-year prove-it deals and kind of see what happens, you know. And like, yeah, you, drank, you, you drafted Grant Delpit in the second round. It was probably like your, your biggest defensive splash. And then he gets hurt in training camp, doesn't play at all. So, yeah, I just – I've always kind of had the idea when I look at the defense in Joe Woods, like really kind of hard to judge Joe Woods. I think it's – you know, it, it's – the struggles that they have had, I think it's, you know, I'm not saying he's exempt from anything, but I do think that, you know, there's some personnel op- upgrades that are obviously in need. So, um, yeah, I, I I think that you could understand, given the Browns winning and how that defense has been opportunistic, despite missing its best player, Miles Garrett, for a couple games and, and missing Denzel Ward for for several now um, with with injury and now COVID. I mean, they lost Olivier Vernon headed into the Steelers game too. I haven't even mentioned that yet, but that's on the list of things that they had to overcome because he had nine sacks and was playing really well in the last half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Joe Woods and Alex Van Pelt have have really been good hires so far by Kevin Stefanski. I agree, and you know, if, if they do leave, something's going pretty good for the Browns, I would say. So, um, but the their their stock will only go up if the Browns happen to pull off the upset against the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Again, that game is at three o'clock. Thank goodness it's not at eight o'clock because those those primetime games are just killers for 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 you and to a lesser extent me but um three o'clock 305 on cbs so the browns got the got the main game again this week and it's it's an interesting one nate the the chiefs are the best team in the nfl and they can score a ton of points their defense is just kind of okay okay to good they their defense really got good during the playoffs last year. So we'll, we'll see, obviously, on Sunday what it's like this year. But I, I asked the same question going into the Steelers game, Nate. 
what type of game do the Browns have to play to to beat the Chiefs? Does this have to be a, a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, grind it out, control the clock game? Or is it a try and go point for point with the Chiefs game? Which do you think is smarter for the Browns? Uh, I want to say Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. <laughs> but I don't know how realistic it is. Just because That's tough. Yeah, it is. It is just because I think when the Chiefs get the ball, they're going to score more times than not, if not all the time. Like, I kind of have in my mind that the path is shootout, and we've seen the Browns win shootouts, and we've seen the Browns lose a very notable shootout. But I kind of think that the very notable shootout I'm thinking of is Baltimore Monday night instant classic, 47-42, Lamar Jackson running out of the locker room. Yep. And delivering a dagger, right? And But the Browns' offense was tremendous in that game. And it's just, I kind of think that, you know, even though they lost that instant classic, they have won some very high-scoring games. And some of them have been them jumping out to big leads and then teams pl- trying to play catch-up. The Steelers' wild card, Pittsburgh-Cleveland Part 3 was one of those. Also Dallas, uh, Tennessee. Um, I don't know. I mean... I kind of think it's probably going to have to be a shootout realistically if the Browns are going to win. And obviously you're going to want to use a couple of your best players, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, um, and control the clock in some certain situations and everything. But I just, I don't think you can just go conservative and, and, you know, to the extent that, some of those runs don't pop the way you need them to early, and then all of a sudden you're down, you know, 14 nothing at Arrowhead. And I know right. playing on the road is not what it usually is because of the pandemic or anything, but it's still, I think, a tough environment, a tough situation. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm leaning shootout, Dan. I don't know. What do you think? I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. And I think that can that can be good in the Browns' favor in that I really think, like, number one, Jarvis Landry had a huge game against the Steelers, I thought. Just some, some really clutch catches. And I, I think what he did kind of flew under the radar a little bit. But um, I think they can do that again with what they were doing with him. But I... I I really think this is going to be a, a Kareem Hunt game. I, I think he and Chubb have have ran. They they ran really hard. I thought against the Steelers. I, I thought harder than they ran in you know the last few weeks of the season. And maybe they were kind of being conservative or or whatever because they knew they were going to make the playoffs unless something really weird happened, which which it almost did. But the, the way they were running in that game against the Steelers was impressive they they just look like they they took their game to a different level and i i think this is the one for hunt just because he, it's the chiefs and it, it just means so much to him you know like patrick mahomes was on kansas city radio this week talking about kareem hunt a whole bunch and how much he still likes him and you know they they miss having him there i, I think it's going to be a big kareem hunt game and 
one of the things that I, I also think, Nate, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I would be shocked if Kareem Hunt is not a team captain for the game. That That's something I've I really liked about Kevin Stefanski that, you know, he kind of like, we can talk about him as a, as a play caller, as a strategist, uh, you know, a play maker, whatever, whatever you want to describe him as, as a genius, smart person in football. But I also think he's been really good at like, how to say this, pushing the right kind of, personal buttons for players when he like when he picks them for captain or how he how he treats them leading up to the game or or right after the game whatever i think he's been doing great on a personal level with the players you know whether it's the the stuff they did before the season on zoom getting to know each other or the team captain stuff do you think do you think i'm crazy thinking nick or kareem hunt excuse me will be a captain on Sunday. That that really feels like a lock to me. Well, hang on. They he you're right on one you're right on one thing before I shoot you down on the other. Oh no. Um Stefanski said yeah on, on Monday, if you noticed, um they did put the C's on the jersey of Mayfield, Miles Garrett, and Charlie Hewlett. Yes. They are the postseason captains now. So no game captains. I don't think so. So Miles Garrett oh. now Miles Garrett went out there as the game captain in, in the wild card game. Now, he was the game captain, game captain for the regular season finale. Then he went out there at the coin toss. But he said those three are the postseason captains. Stefanski says, I have the quote right here. He says, that was the plan all along to have postseason captains after having game captains during the season. Charlie Hewitt was a captain as well, so offense, defense, special teams. And the question was about Mayfield and Garrett wearing the seats. So... I don't think Kareem Hunt's okay. going to be a game captain. I do think you're right about him dangling the carrots for guys in certain situations and it paying off. One thing I do want to say, and you're not suggesting this at all, Dan, like I think the way you're looking at this is like Kareem Hunt is going to be playing a bunch of his old teammates and friends and obviously wants to show out against them. And yes. I agree with that, and that's fine. Kareem Hunt said something the other day on in a social media video that kind of rub me the wrong way and he said it's personal this week um or next week will be personal i'm paraphrasing like i don't think that it's appropriate to paint this as a revenge game for cream hunt i write about revenge games all the time um i think they're fun um but let's face it cream hunt did something that was wrong when he got in the dispute at the nine in Cleveland and he pushed a woman, he kicked a woman. It was caught on camera. He lied to the chiefs about it. They found out because of the video. So cream hunt getting revenge on the chiefs for giving up on him. All that, that narrative is garbage. And I hope that people don't go that down that road in the buildup to this game. But again, the idea of him playing a bunch of people who, um, you know, he's friends with and wanting to have a big game against him and all that. I mean, hey, you know, more power to him. Yeah, and I I was looking at it from the perspective of him playing his his former team and teammates, but and I I agree. I I hope it doesn't get painted in other outlets as you know the the Kareem Hunt revenge game against the Chiefs, because that, that would be weird. So 
that that's not what I was implying at all. No, I know. I'm just saying I have seen a little bit out there already, like and the way he said it on social media kind of put people on that path. And it's just a little weird to me, like Kareem Hunt got cut because Kareem Hunt messed up. Right. It's not on the Chiefs. I, I agree completely. However, I do wonder, though, how Kareem Hunt looks at that. And yeah, he made that comment. <laughs> right. Yeah. So to me, he might be using that. That that might be his Browns is the Browns, you know, for, for this week, for all I know. It might you know, be, so. but I just think it's misplaced. And I Agreed. hope somebody tells him that. I hope somebody who I hope somebody like Kevin Stefanski would say something if if that is the vibe. Um, you know, I just feel pretty strongly about that. You know, no, I, he messed I, I, up. I do too. Yep. He apologized several times. He owned it. So let's not act like he needs to get revenge on the organization because he screwed up. Like I that would be my that would be my talk to Kareem Hunt if I were somebody important with the Browns. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe you can talk to him as one Northeast Ohio native to another. I don't know. No, I mean I <laughs> I'm not going to do that. It's not my place, but um yeah, you know, and I, I just think it's important to remember the context of how this separation of team and player came to be. I understand right. the playoffs, you know, is this is a hell of a player. And, you know, it can be an exciting storyline when a guy faces a former team. But this one is complex. It's not your traditional, hey, the Giants trade Odell Beckham Jr. He wants to play well against the Giants. It's not your, hey, the Tennessee Titans did not pick up the fifth-year option of Jack Conklin. Therefore, he wants to play good against the Tennessee Titans. He's fired up. True. Yeah, well said. You know, I mean, Kareem Hunt may may look at it like that. I, I just think it's misplaced. Um, well, let me so, let me yeah. twist this. Uh, let me twist this one other way real quick, and then then we'll change subjects. It's a, it's already a twisted storyline. Keep going. <laughs> Turn it into well, a full bump uh, pretzel. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going. M Night Shyamalan on you here uh, with a twist at the end, but I know the. I know now that they they have captains for the postseason, and mm-hmm. which, by the way, the, those were great picks for for the Browns as, as team captains, especially Charlie Hewlett. But um, if Stefanski does happen to name Kareem Hunt a game captain, does that does that make things foggy for you at all? You know, like does that like that make you think that's kind of weird you know now given given what you just said about this being a kareem hunt revenge type of game it would depend on the conversation that kevin savansky had with kareem hunt about it i mean the context would matter again you know i i don't kevin savansky i i really have a lot of respect for him i don't know him incredibly well but i feel like i know him pretty well for one year covering him especially talking to some of the people who know him best and really kind of digging in with them and keeping in touch with them. And like, I think that there's no phoniness about him being a true 
high character guy. So I don't think he would use this situation if Kareem Hunt feels some type of way about the Chiefs and exploit it in a way that's not high integrity. Now, if he thinks that, again, this is a guy who wants to play well against a bunch of really good friends and former teammates and and looks at it from that angle and discusses it from that angle with Kareem, I wouldn't feel, you know, that it's kind of dirty or weird or awkward or, mm-hmm. you know, deserves a side eye. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, moving on, I, oh, I mentioned... Can, can we talk real... Are we, I'm sorry. Were you going to talk about the um, the psychological factor of the uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and, and what we're dealing with now? Um, not that, necessarily... I, I mostly just wanted to say that the phrase Browns is the Browns, first of all, for years, for literal years, when it whenever the Browns did something bad or stupid, which until this season was very frequent, I would just put on Twitter, Browns is Browns. And now, <laughs> now, the damn rally cry for the fan base is Browns is the Browns in a positive way. And I feel like I I'm getting, I'm getting stepped over by Juju dancing Smith Schuster of all people. Damn it. That's all I wanted to say really about all that. Okay. Well, I, I, (laughs) sorry. Here's what I want to say about it real quick. It mattered. It ended up being a huge deal. It was a rallying cry that galvanized them along with all the COVID-19 adversity and the fact that people like us counted them out as a result of that COVID-19 adversity. And the players Mm -hmm. talked at length about it after the game. Obviously, they mocked Juju thoroughly during and after the game, which we saw in many videos and social media posts and things like that. all points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so... (laughs) They really got behind it. Now, the only reason I want to bring all this up is because, one, it was a huge factor. Two, Sammy Watkins has dipped his toe into this arena now. And that's very interesting. It's going to be worth monitoring. Now, what he did was, and I just learned about it um, on Twitter during the game, he was basically saying this is like a video game. And it was during the the Browns' record-setting first quarter with the scoring outburst, right? As a result of the takeaways and then obviously scoring often scoring the 28 and he he had a tweet about this like a video game uh haven't haven't seen anything like this in my life and and that not in the nfl and a fan tweeted at him looks like we got some competition next week and he tweeted back i wouldn't go that far lol so i mean after what just happened you can guarantee that miles garrett and baker mayfield and jarvis landry and kareem hunt some of these guys who kind of led the charge with the the Browns is the Browns stuff. Yeah, they're going to notice that. So that's interesting because it worked for them in Pittsburgh. And why not get all riled up about something like this again? Yeah, and that that's going to happen. Look, sometimes that's all it takes with these players. One little, one little thing to really like gnaw at them like that, whether it's, gray face Browns is, is the Browns or I wouldn't go that far. LOL. Lucky if 
if Baker Mayfield shows up after the game and the Browns won wearing a custom LOL hat <laughs> and turn backwards, uh, yeah, we'll know something was up there. It, I don't know why, first of all, if I were a player, I would not be on social media. But if you are, why would you ever say anything positive or negative about the team you are playing next it's it's just there's nothing good can come from it as as we found out last year with freddie kitchens so right um, yeah this was the reverse right uh the reverse Pittsburgh started a t-shirt yes and now now here here we go again there's the little the seed has been planted and we'll see if it can if it can really take over the team on on Sunday, because man, the whole post game was, you know, the Corvette Corvette. I guess that's what the dance is called. I don't know. Um, it, w- it was the Browns is the Browns. It, the whole thing. I mean, a bunch of bootleg shirt makers are making bank right now in Cleveland on Browns is the Browns shirts. I'm sure somebody's making a orange and brown. I wouldn't go that far. LOL shirt as we speak. Well, um, I yeah. talked to Joe Thomas all about this, and this will be a story posted on our mm-hmm. website. That you guys can check out. And he said he was offended by Juju's comments. <laughs> he doesn't even play anymore. He doesn't even play anymore. But he just he said, when you think about it, the Browns have been bad for so long and would always you know, have this reputation of same old Browns because, yeah, they might have a couple good players and make a couple good plays, but they're going to blow it in the end. And he felt that that's, that's what Juju was referencing. And he was obviously um, glad that the, the Browns delivered this first playoff win for the long-suffering fans, uh, first one since January 1st, 1995. And and he took great delight in, in that backfiring on Juju because he, he was offended by it. And he said anybody would, you know, in any sport, as much as these guys put into it and, you know, for the turnaround they've had to, to, to be, you know, hearing that you're the same old team that's always screws up, that'd be, that'd be highly offensive to anyone. So this isn't just a, you know, young guy, hey, I saw this on uh, – you know, whatever, uh, a Zoom press conference and, I, and I'm Baker Mayfield. So I decided to put it on Instagram and everybody got fired up about it. And no, this is like, hey, Joe Thomas, who's he's an old guy by NFL standards. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, retired, um, you know, accomplished everything uh, individually as a player going in the Hall of Fame here before we know it. And he was like, yeah, that was totally offensive and yeah i not surprised at all that they use it as a rallying cry yeah so we'll we'll see if sammy watkins's words are the rallying cry on sunday again that's a 305 nate anything else this week before we get out of here browns are going for their first two playoff game winning streak in one year for the first time since 1950, which is absolutely mind-boggling that that stat is a thing, but it is. Um, 
you know, the, the years the Browns were in the AFC Championship games against Denver or whatever, they, they got the bye. Um, so uh, they, they only had to play one other game, then they then they lost. So uh, first, first potential playoff streak for the Browns in over a half a century, uh, 70 years actually, 71 years. Um, playing the Super Bowl champions, playing the face of the NFL, playing a first ballot Hall of Fame head coach. Um, anything else on this game before we, we head out of here? Well, I just want to say that Baker Mayfield deserves all the love the Browns could possibly give him. And the love they could possibly give him is to reward him with a contract extension. And we, I mean, how many times have we gone into these games saying, what is this going to say about Baker Mayfield? What is this going to say about Baker Mayfield in his future? What is this going to say about Baker Mayfield? What is that going to say? Well, he played mm-hmm. well, but you got to do it this time. Got to do it. Like, I mean, the way he's been playing lately, that's why I cannot count the Browns out. I'm going to pick the Chiefs, okay? I I, I think that, you know, <laughs> Mahomes is Mahomes, and the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They're the Super Bowl champ, defending Super Bowl champs. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard to knock them off. But I see a path, you know, and part of it's because of, you know, just all the adversity they overcame, like I explained earlier. Part of it's because if that defense can be opportunistic again, it's a great equalizer, as, as I also mentioned earlier. But a big part of it is also the way Baker Mayfield's been playing. And so I don't want to leave this podcast without mentioning that because we have left that question hanging out in the air so many times. And I just want to say this guy's been answering it. He has been. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, even – even halfway through this season, one of my close friends, he he's extremely football smart. He just kept saying, the Browns got to extend Mayfield. They got to give him the new contract. They got to give him the big contract. And I kept saying, well, but, well, but, well, but, well, but, well, but. And, and now I, I am fully on board with the Browns ponying up for him. Now the specifics of the contract, we'll, we'll talk about more after the season, but the it's not just his performance on the field at this point. It is, he is the main piece, maybe, maybe next to Kevin Stefanski on how the culture of the Browns has changed. It's just a different, the team has a different mindset. And a lot of that is spurred by Baker Mayfield in how he approaches games and how he performs in, in those games. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And it, yeah. it's kind of funny, Nate. We, we've we been talking about a Dan Brown's playoff game for, I don't know, almost 40 minutes, I guess. And that's literally the pretty much the first time we've talked about the quarterback of the team who's playing at a high level right now. Well, I, that's a thing. I just didn't want to get off here without saying that because – if you think about it, Dan, like I've been on board and been talking about it. And I think if you guys listen to us and you're still listening that, you know, because you're in it enough that I've been like, yeah, fifth year option. Like he's, he's, he's reached that level for sure. Like, okay. I, I don't know if you give him the monster contract extension, you, you give him fifth year option. I like, I've been in that camp for a while now, but and I, just the way he's played since the bye week. I mean, yeah, there have been hiccups. Okay, do you want to fault him for the New York Jets game when he didn't have a receiving core? Like, 
I, I mean, to me, that's entirely you can't. <laughs> justified, like, what happened there, because, like, receiving cores matter, like, wipe out a whole position group, put in a, a group that has very little timing experience or chemistry with, with the quarterback and see what happens, and we did, like, but, like, aside from that hiccup, like, for the most part, it's been great. Does he have one interception in the past 10 games? Like, yeah, he's been like playing that, lights yeah. out. He's just playing lights out and, and, and fitting into the system as well as you could ever want. Finished the regular season with, with 26 touchdown passes and eight interceptions after having 22 touchdown passes and 21 interceptions last year. So it's been a, it's been a great bounce back for him. Um, you know, I, I just – I think that that needs to be acknowledged and, and I am, I am to the point that I think it's, it's more than fifth year option time for him. I think that, you know, you, you could, you could do that. You could, you could slow play it. You could fifth year option, you know, let's see how it works out. You could, you could try that, but at the same time, you know, you want to do right by your players and this guy has, given you all he's had in the second half of the season and in Pittsburgh in the wild card game. And I just think he's led in, led, led the team, like you said, and, and really kind of clicked with Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt. And, you know, I, I see it. I, I see a guy who's turned the corner and, and fits well with these coaches in this system. And he's played for a bunch of coaches and systems um, and, and the diff- degree of difficulty associated with that shouldn't be underestimated in, in, in terms of his development either. So you could wait, but I think you're going to end up having to pay more because I, I, I think the arrow is going to continue to be up on him. I just do. I mean, I don't – there's a step back here and there, hiccups, yeah, sure. I mean, not every every game's going to go great. You know, maybe he doesn't look great against the Chiefs, but um, – Man, big picture overall, you got to be really happy with Baker Mayfield and headed into the season. We talked about it all being about him to a large degree. Yep, and and that that's the burden of being an NFL quarterback too. And he's he's handled it fantastically this season. So obviously his error will just continue to point up if if the Browns pull off the big win against the Chiefs. Um, well, we'll see what happens in the meantime. Unfortunately, I have to say, Nate will have you all covered for any Browns COVID news that may come out this week. Maybe it will all be, uh, I don't want to say the word positive, but, um, maybe just follow Nate. He'll have the latest on the COVID situation and the Cleveland. <laughs> well, it could be guys coming back. Right. And, and, and they should be Joel Batonio. Yeah. Denzel Ward, Coach Stefanski, said he expects to be back Thursday. Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, can't put the cart ahead of the horse on this stuff, certainly. So, Nate Nate will have all that over on Twitter by Nate Ulrich. We'll have coverage of it in full over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. There's going to be a ton of coverage of the game, similar to last week, over there, too. Like Nate said, going to have the Joe Thomas story. There's some fun stuff that our colleague Steve Dorschuk is doing. I know Marla Ridenauer is going to knock out some really good stuff. So there, there's going to be something for just about everybody. Again, beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. That is going to do it for Cover 2. Thank you very much for listening. 
and we will talk to you next time.